Hi, welcome to another episode of the Hitched Podcast. I'm Elijah. And I'm Courtney. And, and we're, we're Hitched. Hitched. On today's episode, we're talking about the pain that you can't see, which is infertility. So the reason why we're talking about this is because personally, we, we have dealt with uh, infertility in our relationship. And and what comes along with that is you we have being a newlywed couple you know, we're still in we're year four, uh, but it's still considered, in a sense, newlywed. We still get the questions of, hey, when are you going to have kids or when is this going to happen? And all these questions come along. And the pain that most people can't see is knowing that a person is infertile or we're having problems having children and that and these issues that come along with personal feelings uh, with our own mind and with everything that we're dealing with. So we want to talk about that on today's podcast. Yes. And then um, we will be giving you guys just, you know, more insight on our journey thus far and where it's led us um, and kind of answer some of those floating questions that have been around. You know, a lot of folks don't understand the type of infertility that we actually deal with. So it's not when you first think of infertility, you think of, you oh, you just cannot have children ever in your life. Um, but that's not what we deal with. We deal with a fixable um, version of infertility, but it still comes with a lot to try to get it to the point of it being fixed. Right. Um, so to give a little background, uh, I want to ask, like, what, what are the causes uh, for our infertility? Uh, so for... Our infertility, um, I actually deal with what's called a a prolactinoma or a pituitary gland tumor. Um, A lot of people don't know much about that, but a lot of people actually live their lives with one Mm -hmm. and they don't know. They think they're just infertile or they think there are certain things that their body is going through that's just what they're dealing with. But in reality, you could be living with a prolactinoma. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that can be like, um, you know, when you look at a person, you you don't see that the person is dealing with something because they're not having symptoms of where they're really sick. They're not in the hospital, hooked up to IVs and all this, though in the worst cases they could be. But in the traditional case, you have a person, well, in our case, you have a person who the tumor is so small that it almost barely shows up on an MRI. Mm-hmm. But because it's there... Is causing the brain to send out certain hormones and do all types of things to the body where it then causes not, as she was saying, not that it's impossible for a person to get pregnant, but it becomes extremely difficult. So that's, you know, kind of that process. Did I I explain that right? Uh, Yeah, you did. So to give a little bit more insight on uh, what a prolactinoma is, the easiest way for me to explain it to folks um, when they ask me about it, I just tell them in layman's term, your body acts like it's pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest way for me to explain it. So your body is basically going through pregnancy symptoms which, of course, you're not going to get pregnant again if you're already pregnant. Right. So that's where the infertility part comes in. Um, and the reason why your body is acting like it's already pregnant is because you're dealing with high prolactin levels. That's where the prolactinoma comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a um, secreting tumor. Um, it secretes hormones, prolactin, 
which causes your prolactin to heighten, which causes your body to go into pregnancy mode. Yeah. Um, you can lactate, you can gain weight, which is one of gaining weight and lactating are two of the biggest uh, symptoms of um, a prolactinoma or uh, abdenoma. Like there's different mm-hmm. names you may hear hear it by. Um, but uh, those are two of the biggest symptoms. Um, you have a lot of emotional symptoms that you go through. Really, a lot of the things that you can think of that a pregnant woman deals with, mm-hmm. a person with the prolactin prolactinoma will deal with on top of migraines and headaches and, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of things that come with that as well. So you're, you're saying you also get the cravings and everything. You can get cravings. You can, I mean, you legit can feel like you're pregnant, like you... You can have moments where you really are convinced that you're pregnant because it can be that like daunting, especially if you're mm-hmm. in the process of trying to have a child mm-hmm. at the same time as dealing with this. You have those moments where your mind is convinced that you're pregnant because the symptoms are all there. But in reality, it's just symptoms that you're dealing with from the tumor. Yeah. So I know uh, from our experiences, uh, we've had moments where like you gone um, Two, we've gone about two weeks and you're having these symptoms and truly feel like, okay, there's a child there. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the, go to the bathroom and like, I take a pregnancy test and it comes back negative. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, and that, just that alone causes so much stress because when you're wanting a child, mm-hmm. you know, you, you actually are desiring a, a child of your own, and every time it happens, you, you that's the negative test. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I've seen my my own point of view. I've seen the stress that it has cost you, mm-hmm. uh, which in turn, you know, causes me in a sense of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say like you know, you're not not like over stressing <laughs> me or anything like that. But you know, seeing that you're in pain also mm-hmm. just puts a little stress on me because you know I'm a person who doesn't want you to be in pain. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't want you to hurt. And, but it's also like, I'm helpless because there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you like kind of go into like exactly what, what you be thinking when, when stuff like that happens? Um, for me, um, and even just thinking of recent episodes that I've had, that's one thing that we do. We deal with a lot of depressive episodes when it comes to this. Um, like it comes out of nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. We could be fine and out of out of nowhere. We're depressed about something, or we're depressed or feeling some kind of way. But for me, the negative test consistently. Um, they take a toll on your mind, your heart, your spirit. It takes a toll when you constantly see negative, negative, negative. It's like, how many times am I going to be told no? You know, Mm -hmm. like, and not, not like by words am I being told no, but that every single time this test comes back, it says no, like this is not it. It's not the time. Um, and for me, it gets really overwhelming, um, a lot of times there have been times where I haven't even felt like a woman because I can't do the basic thing a woman is supposed to do, which is get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that causes you to start feeling, you know, uh, it affects your self-esteem. It affects your every day, how you feel about yourself, how you care for yourself, because you lose a lot of that self-confidence when you do start feeling that way. Um, there are success stories 
where people do get pregnant. You know, they're on medication or they get their tumor removed, um, you know, a bunch of different things. But there are stories of, you know, women like me and other people, even men can have a prolactinoma. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing that some people don't know as well. Men can live with a prolactinoma. And your guys' is is, um, uh, a man's is less noticeable because of the way you are created. Yeah. And so there are things that you don't get that you won't know something's wrong because you don't get those things anyway. Like lactation. Like, like lactation okay. or like um, a period or something. And like you go years and don't have a period or months and months and months and don't have a period. I mean, you don't get that. Yeah. So you wouldn't know. <laughs> we go years without periods. You know, and so, <laughs> you know, all of your guys' you know, things that would tell you you have right. one, you're, you know, one of the main things you'll see is weight gain. Yeah. In a man. Okay. Um, but other than that, it's harder to determine you guys unless it's something that's found when you go to the hospital. Yeah. Usually it's what yeah. I've heard anyway. To, it's kind of a thing where um, it can re- be there and remain dormant mm-hmm. because all the symptoms that a woman would have, a man doesn't have. So you have to have, in a sense, someone to look for it. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like something else has to be happening. Right. But I'm sure there are other things that men may go through uh, that may suggest that they have a prolactinoma. Um, A majority of the time, it's a woman who's dealing with this particular um, tumor, but it is very possible for men to have it. Um, But back on the sense of how it, how it affects you mentally. um, Like I said, it could be draining. Um, Just seeing the negative after negative can be very draining. And then it, it also sucks because you feel alone in the situation because even though, you know, like for instance, I have you, mm-hmm. there are people who go through this by themselves, but it also still feels like you're alone because nobody actually can feel what you're going through. Right. You know, they can't really emotionally attach to what you're going through because they're really not the ones physically dealing with it. Mm-hmm. But I guess my question to you would be like, how does it feel for you being somebody who... You don't physically feel it, but you still have to, you know, experience not being able to, you know, have a child right away or, you know, different things like that. So what does that make you feel like maybe there's somebody listening who, um, you know, is wondering if they're the only ones that deal yeah. with certain things. But, yeah. So, um, so for, for my point of view, um, we've talked, you know, it's my desire also to have a child mm-hmm. um, to the point where. We've already picked out three children's names. Like four, okay, four. But really, we, well, we tossed the fourth one because, uh, because the name was already taken because there's already now a child with that name. No. No. Uh-uh. Okay. You said. I, remember, you said. Oh, we're gonna take a break and tell you guys uh, okay. our future our, children's our future names. Children. There was Chloe. There's Chloe. Then there's e- Elijah Junior. Elijah Junior. Then there's Elijah. Elias. Okay, Elias. Elias is and, uh, Elijah in Greek. And it was the and other one. Was, the other one was supposed to be um, another C. No, it, it was it was, it was a boy another, name. It was a girl's name. It was another C. Oh no, okay, no, because we, we did change it. It was a girl's name. It was a C. Uh, it was it was Chloe and um, Carly. Carly. Okay, okay, because it was before it was a boy's name. Yeah, and it was supposed to be uh, uh, James. James Harvey Williams, uh, if I believe. Jesse. Jesse Harvey? I think it was James Harvey. Would you take my dad's last name? 
Yeah, it was my dad's. It was my dad's middle name and your dad's last name. I mean, that's not taken. Or Harvey James. Was, was it Harvey James? I don't know. That's not taken. No, your dad's was the middle name. I know. But no, sure. uh, it's um. Uh, so your brother named his son after your dad, Jesse. Right, and mm-hmm. that's when we were like, okay, well, he already has a name. Like, even though if your dad heard this, he was like, yeah, I could still do it. Right. <laughs> but, I know he would, for sure. But yeah, so like we, we had names picked out. We've talked about it a lot. Um, but it, with that, for me, I'm not, it's not a deal breaker in a sense for me or anything like that. So it doesn't cause me a lot of stress that mm-hmm. we're not able to have one. Where the stress comes from is seeing you go through the pain mm-hmm. of having to take the negative test of having to do with this. Um, and even with, because even with this, we have our contingency plans, mm-hmm. uh, which we've talked about with adoption or and foster care. We've mm-hmm. talked about those things. And even though it's not exactly 100% the same, mm-hmm. it still kind of gets the same result of raising a child, you know, in mm-hmm. a sense of our own, you know, as the, as we kind of graft a child into our family. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing. Um, a lot of people, um, you know, because they ask us, when are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have a kid? That's another draining thing on somebody who's dealing with something that you can't see, you mm-hmm. know? And the thing is people know that I go through what I go through, but it's kind of like, not to say they're insensitive, but it's, it, it's kind of like it goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And then the next time they see you, when are you going to have a kid? So it's mm-hmm. like it do, it just flows in and out because you can't see this physically that what I'm going through, you don't think that something's wrong with me. Right. So your first th- natural thing to do is to ask a married person when they're going to have a yeah. kid. You know, and so it's like... um and I can, I'm sure I can speak for a lot of folks who deal with not only the what I deal with, but just infertility in general. It's we would love for people to be more sensitive to our situations that they can't see. Yeah, you may forget. Yeah, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's those people who are close to us. Ask us how we're doing. Check in on us every now and again, because we're not going to always tell you when we're dealing with something. Yeah. We're not going to always, you know tell you that I cried while you were asleep or, you know, whatever. We're not going to always tell you that. So it's always good to check in with somebody who you know loves children, you know wants children, but they can't have it. It's always good just to, you know, whatever. I know for for me, one of the things I started doing with you was just those daily hugs. Mm -hmm. Because for for me, it feels like when I hug you, my my stress goes away for that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, just give me a hug. If I could have eight hugs a day, I would take eight hugs a day. But apparently see, that's real that's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's still those things that you can do as someone who knows that you have someone in your life that deals with a condition that you can't see physically. Yeah. Um so yeah, I know um there's a lot of folks who could most likely relate to that. Yeah. And I think it it a lot of that, where that question comes from, hey, when you're having kids, sometimes I really feel like it's people who just don't really know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, you see a person, you go, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? It's a family member you ain't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Y'all haven't kept up with each other. Y'all don't know anything right. a- about each shit. other. <laughs> and, yeah, and the first thing that comes out is like, oh, like, hey, how you doing? Whatever. 
Y'all ain't had kids yet. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the first thing you go to. And it's almost like, it, well, with someone who's not married, mm-hmm. you know, they'll ask them something like, um, like, uh, oh, you know, when y'all getting married, you know, mm-hmm. y'all, y'all, you bring a girlfriend or a boyfriend over and like, oh, when y'all getting married, y'all been together for so long. It was just mm-hmm. something that people just come up with something to say. Right. And in a sense, they're not really thinking about who they're asking, what they're asking, Mm -hmm. and what the person might be going through. Right. And a lot of times in those situations, the us, the people who are receiving those questions, we're not always thinking that they're not thinking. Mm -hmm. It's in our mind, it's like, really, are you asking me this again? Like, And then it just makes you feel incomplete. Because now you have to deal with, again, those feelings of you not being able to do something as, you know, something, I wouldn't say as simple as getting pregnant, but something that should come naturally Mm -hmm. uh, is getting pregnant. And so you have those moments where you get tired of people asking you those questions. It's like, I don't want to tell you stop asking me, but sometimes I want to just tell you stop asking me, you know, because it's like, I've told you umpteen amount of times. This is what I deal with. But again, mm-hmm. like it goes in one ear and not the other. And I think a lot of times uh, because it's not something that you can see, it's kind of pushed off to the side and it's easily forgotten, mm-hmm. you know, and that's with a lot of things, you know, like a lot of people know this when somebody has cancer, you know, this when somebody has lupus, you know, this when somebody, you know, deals with, you know, other things that you can physically see. And yep. those are usually the, the situations or the, the issues that are put forth in front of everybody Mm -hmm. you see advocates for cancer advocates for this there's not a lot of advocates for 5k walks yeah 5k walks there's not a lot of advocates for people who deal with infertility and if it is it's usually our own little community of folks trying Mm -hmm. to do something but it's not a lot of advocacy there's not a lot of doctors who even know what a prolactinoma is that's a problem in itself you have you know there's a lot of doctors who aren't educated on what a prolactinoma is it's hard to find a specialist who can help you with it you know everybody else is like oh just do this do this do that and then they send you on your way but in a situation like this you need in my opinion a therapist you need a a neurologist you need all kind of stuff at the same time because you're dealing with so many different things that not just one doctor can help you with yeah yeah i know um a lot of this can come because the doctors that they sent you to, um, uh, endocrinologists, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you do need an endocrinologist, mm-hmm. but the type of endocrinologist that people usually send you to it's are a usually a diabetic doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they, they go and go, okay, it's your weight. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, no, my weight is the symptom of what the actual problem right. is. <laughs> and there's a particular endocrinologist who deals with mm-hmm. prolactinomas. But usually, like you were saying, there's a shortage of those doctors. Mm-hmm. So I think in St. Louis, there's only two. If I'm, mm, I looked and technically there's only one that's a specialist. Okay. There's another one who I think knows some things, but everybody else is basically like a diabetic doctor or, yeah. you know, something like that. So, um, I mean, even in the support group that I'm in, mm-hmm. there's always multiple people saying there's no doctor near me whatsoever. It's mm-hmm. the closest doctor is hours away. Um, and I think that shows you that there's a problem. You can go down the street and find a cancer doctor. Yeah. You know, you can go down the street and find this. And I'm not sure, but I'm sure there's a lot, if not the same amount of people, there's a lot of people that deal with this for nobody to know much about it mm-hmm. is a little bit sad 
coming from somebody who deals with it is like you would think that this is something that you would want to research more because yeah. you know and then you know insurance doesn't cover things like this um you know stuff like that when it comes to fertility mm-hmm. like basically even though it's literally a medical issue that you're dealing with they will not cover it right so you know uh, i have i have slight personal connection to something like this mm-hmm. um for those who don't know, I have a rare eye disease called keratoconus. Mm-hmm. Now, with the keratoconus, it's, in a sense, a pain you can't see. Mm-hmm. A pain nobody can see because the person who got it can't see either. <laughs> I can see it. Of course you can see it. But, but, so basically what keratoconus is, is your cornea not really um, being shaped like the dome shape that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's forming a cone shape given to keratoconus. Uh, it forms a cone shape. It's the cornea form, forming a cone shape. And what happens is you get a bunch of light. Where light usually goes through the eye, it goes to this one point, one center point, pass through the retina. Mm-hmm. You see one clear image. Or, you know, even if you need glasses, you'll still see one image. Where character conus, it bounces around like 50 million times. And you get a bunch of images and they're all, they all blur each other out. Mm-hmm. So even if you're already dealing with like normal vision is issues, add character conus on top of it. Now you have bad vision with a whole bunch of blurriness and it becomes hard to see. Mm-hmm. Of course, today, a lot of insurances support it. Um, and a lot of insurances, you know, pay pay for the contacts that you need or mm-hmm. the surgery or whatever you need. But uh, in the group that I'm in, there are many people who have had it for way longer than I've had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I don't, I've had it for probably 15 years. Because uh, when I got diagnosed, well, possible diagnosis, I didn't go to the doctor. Because I was <laughs> like, man, what you talking about? And then another doctor said cataracts. So I was like, it's a cataract. They ain't care to call it. Like, that's easier to fix. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, because I, I went to the doctor to fix the cataract. And that's when mm-hmm. the doctor was like, you ain't got no cataract. You got keratoconus. I'm like, oh, he was right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so when I, when I was talking to people in the support group, you know, they were talking about how hard they had to fight the insurance companies to mm-hmm. get to get them to support it and everything they had to go through. Some of them, like, still are, even though, some of them are in such worse condition that the insurance was, aren't doing anything for them. So they have to now rely on basically disability and help from family members mm-hmm. and things. Um, but it's basically, you know, and, and almost everyone talks about how when they're having trouble seeing, somebody walks up, uh, walks up to them and says, why don't you just wear glasses? Mm-hmm. And you're like, Glasses don't fix the issue. Right. You know, you, you, like, okay, now you're seeing a bunch of clear images to my eyes, but I'm still, they're all still blurred because there's mm-hmm. mil- still millions of them. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can fix this is either by getting a cornea transplant um, or special contacts. And if my corneas are not able to take the special contacts, well, if the special contacts don't fit my eyes, mm-hmm. they can't make them to fit or... My corneas are too weak for a transplant. Now I'm stuck and I, there's nothing for me to do. And so now the, there's this there's this issue you have that nobody really can see unless they, re, well, for character corners, unless they really look at you, mm-hmm. you know, and look at the eyes and all of that other stuff. But it's still, it, it becomes that, that, that problem 
that people like are like, you know, hey, this is an issue for me. And you're saying, hey, why don't you get glasses? And while it's in the same issue for you, though it's different and more severe for you, uh, is, hey, when you're having kids. Mm-hmm. And it causes that same thing. Like, dude, it doesn't just work like that. Right. Like, it's not that easy. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a very interesting um, thing to go through. You know, because for me, I've literally been a mother all my life. I can go back to when I was literally in fourth grade and all the younger kids were my play kids. Mm-hmm. And whenever, whenever I came on the playground, I was Mama Courtney. Like, that's just what it was. I have always had this draw to me, even as a younger kid myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, God just gave me this gift with children. I mean, like, children don't usually cry with me. Children are like... They not they not navigate, but they gravitate um, yeah. to me. You know, it's just a gift that I have with kids. And then to not be able to produce one of your own is like, come on, God, really? Like you gave me this gift, and I can't even give my you know like I can't even have a child to give this gift to you know. And I think that's you know a lot of people also you know they'll talk to me about abortion and stuff like that, and I have really strong views about abortion, not only because of what I deal with myself, but you know my beliefs as a Christian woman, mm-hmm. you know and things of that nature. But mainly for me, it's dude, you have people out here who would love to be in your position, mm-hmm. who would love to get pregnant, and even if you're in a position where you feel like you're going to dislike this child or something, you know, when, you know, maybe a rape situation or something, maybe find a woman or a family who would love to have that child, do a private adoption, do a sign over of rights, do something to help somebody else. It helps you, but it helps somebody else. And it still gives that child a good life, you know? So I don't really get that much into abortion conversations Mm -hmm. with folks because it's a, it's a heavy topic for me, you know, but but yeah, I mean, I, there is even the option uh, that I just seen today. I didn't know it was an actual thing until today. Uh, and it's called open adoption. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the sense of I, I don't feel like I'm equipped to take care of the child or whatever the case may be. I, I, I can't be the one to take care of them. Mm-hmm. But I want to give my child for adoption, but I still want to be in their life. Right. I want to have and a relationship, some kind of it, relationship. With them. Exactly. So you then you basically have an adoption with parental, with, with visiting rights or anything to still have a relationship with the child. Mm-hmm. But yet this child also part of a family now that can either better take care of them than you can or than you want to, you know, because still people, you know, give up adoption because they don't want the child, but right. they still might want to be in the child's life. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it. there's options is basically what we're saying is like, there are people who are going, Hey, I would love to take your kid. Right. And you know, there are people out here instead of doing adoption, they're like, eh, just kill it. Right. And though we are against, we're against that. And we don't believe in just killing a child because you don't want it. Right. Yeah. So that, that is always, like I said, always a hard subject you know, for me to have a conversation about with anybody when they're having those kind of conversations. Um, Because it's, you know, it's a want, you know, folks who deal with, and not even just, you know, dealing with infertility, but like you said, with care, 
character conus. With character yeah. conus. I, y'all, it's so bad for me. It's hard for me to say. There's too many letters. There's too many syllables in there. Character conus. That's just how I say it because mm-hmm. I just can't. I can't get it. It's, it's just like it's really I, easy. My my tongue and my lips, they just it can't put the word together. <laughs> it never works. But you know, just dealing with something that you cannot see. Just dealing with that and having other folks be, you know, insensitive to that. It can be a burden. You know, it can be stressful, it can be aggravating, irritating, frustrating. You know, it can be all of that. But you still, you know, Show folks love because, I mean, you know, people truly do forget. You know, they truly do forget. It goes in one ear and not the other. And and, and it's not like they have bad intentions when they're coming to us and asking us when we're going to have kids. Because everybody wants us to have children. Everybody's like, oh, my God, like, you're going to be great parents. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, people are just... They vision our, they visualize our lives for us. Yeah. Like, people just do, you know. And so they're like, y'all need kids. Like... We know we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah, I think uh, I think this kind of, uh, in a biblical sense, this kind of uh, evaluates to loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this sense of loving your neighbor, it's not necessarily um, to be forceful or uh, such a bad thing that if you don't know something is going on then you're and you're saying it then all of a sudden you're wrong because you didn't know mm-hmm. but it's a thing that if you know something is happening if you know a person is dealing with something that's not seen if you know what they're uh, that that there are some struggles within their life you don't go up to them and mention something that they may be dealing with that that may right. be a problem. Right. So you know someone is dealing with infertility. You don't you don't go, hey, when you're I'm having kids, go, right? Or you know. girl, I just got an abortion last week, right? Because this like, happened to me. Like, <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, it's like if you you see a person who who has their leg cut off, mm-hmm. you don't go tell them to run them out. Right, like, right. <laughs> you, you know, uh, hey, what well, that's you visual. You can see that. Now, right. if you go tell somebody missing a leg to go run a mile, you are real insensitive. <laughs> right, and it just <laughs> it, and it just becomes that like yeah. that that mindfulness of saying like, hey, I see that there's actual problem that you're dealing with, and being mindful of that when you're talking, you know, can really help with the relationships that we have in our life. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, for instance, there was a friend of a uh, friend of my uh, classmate. His name, uh, well, I ain't got to say his name, but we were in we're in school, and now with this, uh, we were trying to be sensitive to to him. You know, he he had a, a palsy. I don't remember exactly which one, but um, he had issue with walking. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I it may be a cerebral palsy, but I don't I don't mm-hmm. remember which one. Um, but we w- we would all like talk about each other, you know what, what we call Joan in here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I don't know what y'all call it. Roasting. Roasting. Okay, so like you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So while we were doing this in class, we would always leave him out of it, mm-hmm. like always, to the point where he got frustrated mm-hmm. and he was like, "Dude." Stop doing it. <laughs> it was like he's like because he wanted to be in the in, mm-hmm. he wanted to be in it, and he felt 
excluded from the from mm-hmm. the group when we were all talking about each other, but we left mm-hmm. him out of it. Even though he would talk about us, we were still not saying anything about him. Mm-hmm. And he, and he basically invited us into saying like, you know, just like talk about me. Like, like you could talk <laughs> about me. <laughs> but it was it was also in the sense of you know, that's where one of his sensibilities were. Now, we weren't just going to jump on just saying something mm-hmm. about it because you, our goal was not to offend him mm-hmm. and, you know, possibly... Be like Kevin Hart, you ain't going to... Right. And it was yeah. like, we're, we're not trying to offend, offend, but it, in a sense, it became offensive for him because he felt excluded. Mm-hmm. But it was still up for him to actually say, hey... You can actually do this. Right. It was still not our position to just go and just like jump on it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the same way comes with with other things in our life. You know, when you're seeing someone dealing with difficulties, you don't just jump on the difficulty. You don't press mm-hmm. buttons just to be pressing buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's and basically what I'm getting at is if you know that there's a problem, mm-hmm. don't jump on the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, with that, uh, what are some some of the things that uh, I'm asking you, the listener, what are some of the things that you uh, have seen in your life? There are things that you have been de- dealt with. Maybe it was depression. Uh, maybe it was uh, the, maybe it was uh, a disease or whatever the case may be that you were dealing with something and people kind of poke the bear a little bit. What are some of those things? We'll love to, to know that you can message us right on Facebook, uh, write comments on, on the, um, on the, uh, video or whatever podcasting app you're listening, listening to. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts and your opinions. Um, anything else? No, that's it. Oh, that's it. Okay. Well, with that, we're, Signing off, I'm Elijah. And I'm Courtney. And and we're we're hitched. hitched. Thank you for listening. Thank you.